Hello. I just... Movies shouldn't have been made in the 90s. That's James. I'm America. All 10 years. Just, we can scrap them. And we watched the Flintstones movie. Oh, no, we can't because Toy Story happened. So I guess we can only scrap most of them. And The Lion King. Bah. Bah. Don't bah The Lion King. I don't fucking care about The Lion King. This is City Wave Cinema, where we watch movies and talk about them. Mostly, it's mostly talk. Although, the movie-to-talk ratio is in favor of movie. So, I, I think, well, well, you think about it. If we watch a two-hour movie, mm-hmm. and then we record two podcast episodes about that two-hour movie, mm-hmm. the recording time matches the movie time but if it's a two and a half hour movie it goes over mm-hmm. i think we've watched more two and a half hour movies for the show than we have 90 minute movies for the show so overall i think we're still over by like maybe a couple hours got it the math works sure it does shut up you you gonna talk about this movie or not i'll think about it it's going to be a short episode if we're going to talk about the movie, because I'll tell you what, there was not a lot that went on in it. And by not a lot, I mean I was so confused for large swaths of this movie. How are you confused? It's the Flintstones. It's a child's cartoon. Well, I'll tell you this. It's a Hanna-Barbera cartoon. To- uh, I'll, t- I'll tell you this. There are a couple of moments where... Days or weeks or months go by, and you would have no indication. In fact, there is only one instance where a character even mentions a span of time to connect two points during the movie. So, it, it sometimes if you have a, a story that takes place over the course of like a weekend, right? You'll have day scenes, then night scenes, then day scenes, then night scenes, and then finally day scenes, right? Mm-hmm. That's the, the three days. Sounds good. Friday to Sunday, right? Yep. I had no idea when stuff was happening or what was going on or how long it had been. So my frame of reference for reactions to anything was just thrown out the window. It was just abolished. Because I, there's no indicator as to how long it's been since anything's happened ever. It was crazy. Now, that's not to say that it wasn't entertaining. Because John Goodman did his very best cartoon impression for all of the movie. I think everyone did their very best cartoon impression for all of the movie. And I don't think there could have been a better casting for Barney Rubble than Rick Moranis. Dude, the, I, I, that was one of my notes, because I didn't take a lot of notes because I'd seen the movie before, but um, I, the first note I took was, say what you will, but the cast is awesome, and they captured the essence of this world and those characters really well. I don't know. I don't remember the cartoon being that sexy. Was the cartoon that sexy? There's a commercial where the Flintstones are smoking cigarettes. That's not sexy. I'm specifically referring to casting Halle Berry and then just... Dumping one character trait on Halle Berry, and that being sex icon. 
That's like all. That's like the only thing they fucking cast her for. I don't know. I thought it worked for the story. It was a cliche at the time, like the sexy therapist that like therapist? steals. Your, sorry, the sexy receptionist, s- receptionist or secretary that like steals your man. That was like Scandal. a trope. Scandal. It, it still trope. is a trope, and it sucks balls. Right. First of all, opening credits. Steven Spielberg? Huh? The man behind incredible film after incredible film also did the Flintstones? It's a good movie. No. Ugh. No. It was cute, and it wasn't supposed to be like this super high-rated, like, high-end film, because it's about a cartoon, and I think they captured the essence of the cartoon really well. Listen, here's here's the deal, right? It is a very entertaining movie. Stuff's always happening. There's not dead space. It's engaging. It is a very entertaining movie. It's not good, but it's very entertaining. I was sucked into it, man. I was I was there for all of it. Except for when I picked up my phone to look at Twitter. Um I also wrote immediately because who do we see first? It's Halle Berry and all of her torso. I said they dragged Halle Berry into this in all caps because fucking as soon as I saw what her like costuming was and I heard the saxophones hit when she was on screen. I was like, uh oh, I know exactly what this is. Oh no. It's just, she's just there to ooze sex. And Halle Berry's hot in 1994. She's, Pro- probably she's still, still today. Attractive. I haven't seen a picture of Halle Berry in the last 10 years. I'll pull one up. Okay. She's hot, but woof, what a role. Um, Dude, the intro with the theme song hitting all the nostalgia buttons. Very nice. Uh, the puppetry. Jim Henson's never made a mistake in his life. Um, and his team also never made mistakes in their lives. So puppetry, while it does look goofy for 1994 dinosaur puppetry, mimicking some 2D cartoon animation, I can't call it terrible in terms of puppetry. I think it's pretty okay. Plus, I mean, for its time, it was pretty Yeah, I good. mean, shit. What else do they have to compare it to? The Muppets? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wrote that John Goodman is cartooning his best as he runs through the... the uh... She's got, like, MILF status going on. Yeah. She somehow got whiter. I don't know. Maybe it's the haircut that's throwing me off. That's a very, that's a very, that's a very Karen haircut. Look at that. Anyways. Um, yeah, I just thought, I thought it was an interesting decision to have the characters just try to really up the ante on the, uh, cartoon impersonations. I mean, yeah, she's hot. She's hot. What is, I mean, there's not much to say. Halle Berry's hot. Um, also just a point of preference as they sort of, they basically give you a quick tour of Bedrock and all the the whole Fred and Barney going home from work sh- 
dick. Like they do in every Flintstones like, yeah, episode. Li- like they do. And uh, I expected this. This was fine. This was an interesting thing to see. There's about 17 billion puns. And I will have absolutely none of that. Thank you. No more puns. Hate them. Hate them. Hate them. I wrote the puns are great. <laughs> They're funny. They're not even funny. They Sometimes are. puns can be funny. Talk to our very dearest Proxy Jack about it. He is a pun master. And he probably would find them all hilarious. I he, like... would, he would sit back with a cup of cocoa in his hands and giggle relentlessly <laughs> at all of the puns. The dinosaur puns. The caveman puns. The rock puns. You know how many rock puns I had to sit through? There's so many rock puns. I can see him now. There's marshmallows and whipped cream in his cocoa as he just sits there and shivers at how excited he is about all these stupid fucking puns. They're funny. God damn it. It's, they're not They're not it's funny. It's fine if you're doing it for like the purpose of like making everything into like Flintstones. Like, I, I don't know. And I, then they bleached it's... blonde dyed Rick Moranis' hair, and then he was in the movie, and I thought, God damn it, they dragged Rick Moranis into this. He did a great job. I It's really hard to imitate the Barney Rubble voice, but he did his best. And his best was pretty okay. His best was, his best was pretty okay. Um... I also did later make a note that the puppetry is upsetting. Why? Uh, probably because Dino. I I like Dino. It reminds me of like Fraggle Rock days. If like, oh, I don't know what that is. Something you watched as a child, like if Fraggle Rock was basically a Jim Henson production about this family of like dinosaurs. Also, one of the most traumatizing endings to a show ever. Um. But yeah, no, it kind of just is reminiscent of Fraggle Rock and that whole style and era of film that no one really wants to see anymore because now we have like CGI and motion capture and all these sorts of things. But I don't know, there's just something heartwarming and classic about these Jim Henson puppets and things. I I think there will always be a place in my heart for puppetry. Uh, but Dino was upsetting when he greets Fred at the door. Um, oh, uh, some of my favorite classic, uh, classic movie tropes is just up front, outright, punch you in the mouth, misogyny. Love it. Fred Flintstone comes home from work, and what's Wilma doing? Playing into it. Doting all over him and giving him whatever he wants, basically, and he is out there. And they do this feet thing all the time because, you know, they're cavemen and they're barefoot where everyone's just got these dust caked feet. But also they're the feet of people who lived in 1994 and wore socks and shoes. So they're like, I don't want to say like well manicured because you're not really seeing uh, you're not really seeing toenails, really. But they're not calloused feet on any of these people. They're not like I spend a lot of time barefoot at all. Which that's makeup's fault. If we're gonna show feet that are supposed to be caveman feet, I wanna see fucked up feet. You heard it here fucking first. Please send James your fucked up feet pics. Wait a minute, no, don't do that. 
You said you uh, want to no, see want, fucked I, up feet. If I you in a very you said in a set of he fucked a, up feet. No, no, in a set of circumstances relating specifically to having bare feet all of the time. Those he wants to see feet. your bare feet all the, of the time that have calluses and are fucked up. I I can't stand you. <laughs> Why have you done this to me? People are going to find my Twitter now. <laughs> They're going to find my Twitter. I'm going to get feet pics that I did not ask for. You did. And Everyone no, heard you. I, did. I, I have witnesses. I super didn't ask for them. I'm going to get feet pics in my Twitter, Twitter? <laughs> Twitter DMs. Oh, you've got me all fucked up. I am a frazzle. Woof. What? What? How? What? You, you could say you, I rocked. Your I need a second. <laughs> Can you just talk for a minute? I need to gather myself. Um, I like this movie. I think one of my favorite things about it is that it's corny for the sake of being corny and sh like cheesy because it's about a cartoon, and I think that they capture the cartoon essence really well. Like I already said. And it's self-aware of the fact that it's cheesy and corny. Ooh, we do have a, th a third, uh, fourth wall break. More than one. We have two. Um, I don't know. I just, I like it. It's self-aware and funny. And there's such attention to detail, like, other than, I guess, the calluses on the feet, which I didn't care about. But James seems to care very deeply about the feet. Um, I like the attention to detail and how much, like, the house looks like the Flintstones house and their car looks like the car. And you really believe that they brought the world of bedrock and the Flintstones to life. I got to give all the props in the world to the set dressers. Holy shit. The they turned Utah into bedrock. It's good. It's a well put together set. Are you better? Yeah, right. So Fred comes home from work and, and we've found on his, on his drive home that he is given Barney and uh, Barney's wife, Betty, Betty, that's right. Barney and Betty Rubble uh, is giving them whatever a boat, a boatload of money, we'll say, so that they can adopt a child. Right. That's very nice. What a nice thing to do. Uh, oopsie. Wilma didn't know about it. And now Wilma's mad that there's no money. So what's Fred got to do to save his ass? Boy, he's got to tell Wilma, I I gave it to Barney so he could adopt a child. And then, of course, that's going to melt the ice that is within the veins and heart of Wilma Flintstone. Check that off the box. And then, uh, shit, what else happens? Oh, yeah, he mentions that he bought a new bowling ball. And that's why they also don't have any more money. And, uh, you know, that was just a funny haha. But bowling balls are expensive, and she should be mad about it. Um, but also bowling balls in the stone age are made of stone and there's a shitload of stone just lying around. So I don't know why he couldn't just make one, just make one, right? He's a crafty guy. He builds, he mashes stones and shit. He can build one. Uh, and we get to go, uh, uh, we do a little weird time jump and then boom, we're at the adoption clinic. And we have a fun little game where we make a we do a switcheroo where uh, one of several throughout the movie uh, a switcheroo where the uh, the nurse comes out uh, and looks directly at the rubbles and says this is your child as she holds a baby and that baby is an orangutan tan an orangutan that is a whole entire monkey and they go huh. 
all right, sure, we can we can rock with that. And she goes, what? No. Like, bitch, it's your fucking fault they assumed it was their kid. You looked right at them and went, this is your child, while holding a child. No, what? don't be attitude. She gave all this fucking attitude and was like, this is the Henderson's baby. And then hands the orangutan to two other orangutans that were also in the office. And you never saw them before. And yes, America. Is it really orangutan and or not orangutan? Google. Because I feel like it's orangutan. We've said orangutan for years and years and years, and it's orangutan. Your brain just broke. Ha 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 ha. What in the Mandela effect <laughs> bullshit? No. <laughs> it's orangutan, baby. Little trivia that I know about monkeys. Uh, anyways... Then the nurse, with all that attitude, gives the orangutan to the monkey family called the Hendersons, and they go on their way, and there's a fucking, like, three-year-old, five-year-old? Five-year-old. He's like gotta a, be, like, five or six. He's gotta be. There's, like, a five-year-old fucking Bam Bam back there with long-ass caveman hair and the tiniest leaf courtesy sleeve. That ever there was. You can't even really call it like underwear or whatever. Because it was just like six leaves glued together to cover this kid's junk. And then six more leaves on the back to cover his butt. And he did traditional caveman shit in the civilized caveman world. And broke a bunch of shit and jumped out a window. Bam, bam! Screaming his name. Bam, bam. The whole time. As he does. It's In fact, it's the only thing Bam, bam ever really says. It is the only thing he ever says. And you know what? That's fine. Because you know what Bam, bam says in the cartoons? Bam, bam! Yeah, that would be it. I didn't say fuck all else. That's what he says. So it's fine. It's all gravy. I'm not getting mad about it. You understand me? Uh... Yeah, so then everyone's just doing cartoon violence, but in real life. Which, in my personal opinion, I don't think anyone's ever done it better than Jim Carrey in his heyday. Like, if you look at all of the contortionist slapstick shit that Jim Carrey does in all of his movies, the way he moves and everything, it looks like it belongs in a cartoon. Yeah, but he's never really portrayed, like, a live-action cartoony character. Like, he played the Grinch, but that's not really, like, cartoony like I'm referring to. I'm referring to, like... Ace Ventura. No, but I'm saying, like, based off a cartoon. Like, well, Hanna-Barbera. Yeah. He's, he's never done one of or those. Or Looney Tunes. But I... I the problem the I have with close. it... The problem I have with it is... I, I don't have a problem with them doing it. The problem I have is I think it's probably we're trying to it's it's the advancement of technology problem. We're making a movie in 1994 using the pinnacle of technology to that day replicating a hand-drawn cartoon show from the 70s, 60s. There's no shot it was just the 50s. Want to bet me? Uh, no, because it's old, and I don't do good with old. Old's hard for my brain, unless it's a war. 
They're all about wars. Um, but I think there's just there's this disconnect where you don't you you do your best to match what the hand drawn animation looks like. Mm, you were correct. Seventies. Nineteen sixty to nineteen sixty six. Ah, the sixties. Back when everyone started doing drugs. Nice. Um, no, I just think we we did our best to replicate it, but it just it was too much. It was too good. It was too too many frames per second, too much movement that you can see. It's not like you're drawing the movement of the foot and you can move it a great deal of distance over like three frames and have it move back and forth. It's just little nitpicky shit like that where it was like they're obviously trying to replicate a cartoon in live action, but the cartoon, the source material is too old. There were some moments that were like, uh, like Fred's bowling because he always does that tippy tippy toe. The twinkle toe toes. Anytime and, Fred hovered in the air. Yeah, anytime. which is a, a classic two D animation trope from the sixties. All the like the Bugs Bunny cartoon, all the Looney Tunes, all that shit. Fucking the uh uh, in all the Roadrunner cartoons where the coyote runs off the edge of the cliff and just hovers in midair. It's a classic thing to do, right? But to see John Goodman move like a normal human being and also be suspended was like, ah, I know what you're trying, but I hate it. It was just too slow. Like, I feel like if they would have sped up the footage of that particular, like those particular moments, it might have been a little bit better. I think they had to slow it down. I think it had to go in the reverse because to more closely match the way that it was, because that's obviously what they were going for, I think they have to slow it down. And instead of it being the probably 29.97 frames per second, they drop it back to 24.97 to match the way television works. Because television is in a different frames per second speed than movies are which is a thing i know because i have a degree about it i was like we moved into a very technical world that i didn't know how to <laughs> talk about so anyways then we do bowling and that was a, a fun little scene where we go to a bowling alley that literally has three lanes bowlerama i mean i can't it's a, a whole ass live set like i can't expect them to make more that's huge already Plus, there's only 5,000 people on the Earth, so... That's true. They well, don't no, there's 4,000. I thought there was 5,000. No, he said 4. He said uh, 4,000. 4,000. Yeah, there's uh, 4,000 people on the yeah, Earth. Yeah, so it's not like you need more than three bowling lanes in bedrock at a time. Uh, but it's the championships, right? And it comes down to Fred. Fred's got to get a strike to win the tournament. And he's just cocky as a motherfucker. And you know what? He deserves it. He gets the strike. He wins it. And so Barney decides that he's going to give a toast to his best friend friend and he pulls out a like a, a rolodex a stone rolodex that he has written this toast on and it's a poem but it's like a dr seuss poem and so he he it's it's pretty heartfelt but fred is just weeping i wrote get it together fred in all caps as he is just ugly crying in the bowling alley while his friend says a couple of pretty nice things to him. Uh, so then 
Fred gets to keep the trophy. They all drink, and it's a lovely time. Fred has to sneak back into his house. And this is the first indicator that I don't know what fucking day it is. Because it's been night twice in the first 15 minutes of the movie. And I, I don't know what is happening or when it's happening. I mean, clearly it's the same night, though, because he's coming home with a bowling trophy. But he came home just to leave again? I, I guess. I don't know. Oh, no, I thought you meant, like... So I think he, like, came home for dinner. At least this is how I interpret it. See, the time didn't really bother me, but that's because I'm also used to just watching, like, cartoons. So, like, he came home from work, had dinner with Wilma... Like, and did all that stuff. Pebbles. Yeah. Do they even call Pebbles by name the entire time? Yeah. Oh, I missed it. And then they go, um, then he, like, after dinner goes to the bowling alley. They win the championship. It's obviously late at night, because dinner, then bowling championship. So. Comes home from the bowling and has to sneak in. So you're going to tell me that he came home from work, had dinner with his family, left his mother-in-law arrives that's the weird part i don't know why she was there even better or hiding in the dark he sneaks in she gives him a heart attack they roast each other relentlessly for the next two minutes and when i say they roast each other it's like a comedy central roast it is like pre-thought out barbs that are rusted and hooked and sharp and nasty. And they are flying. I wrote specifically that uh, Fred's out here throwing the goddamn son at his mother-in-law. And I can't blame him. She's a bitch from the first second she hits the screen till the last second she's on the screen. The whole time, you don't want her to be there. And it's an awful... I hate that trope so much. I hate a bad mother-in-law trope. As I uh, was looking into this while we were watching the movie, though, it is a documented point in the cartoon that Wilma's Wilma's mom is like that to Fred. In fact, like in a couple of the like stills I saw, she was like chasing him around with a broom trying to hit him. So, like, it's a thing that happens definitely in the show. Sure, like, it might be a thing that happens in the show, but the, I just, it's a preference thing. It's so It's been so done, and it doesn't super reflect society as a whole too much anymore. And God damn it, I fucking hate a bad mother-in-law trope. It just sucks the fun out of everything it's in. Now, I will say... We got some quality roasts out of this scene. But more importantly, then she just leaves. And it's like X o'clock in the morning. Maybe two, maybe four. Not clear. We don't know how long Fred was out partying after he won. And fuck, like, she just left. Like, was she just going to be there for like a couple hours and leave at 2 a.m.? Why? That's fucking bananas. I don't get it, but okay. Sure. Sure! Yeah, that's the only one I don't have an answer for. Um, In regards to the mother-in-law trope, though, that is a stereotype that does exist for a reason. Like, all stereotypes exist be- 
from some realness of truth. And I think mother-in-law tropes are no different because that was like, like that's been a thing in so many marriages of like mother-in-laws just being the literal worst. I'm not, okay. I'm not saying it doesn't exist and I'm not saying it didn't exist for the last bajillion years that humans have been around. But, like, do we need to put it in all the movies? It's relatable. People relate to it because I think it's, it's, it's part of a negative feedback cycle. If you have a mean mother-in-law and you go see a movie and there's a mean mother-in-law in it, whether you know it or not, you're being reaffirmed that there's nothing to be done. Nothing can be done to salvage your real-life situation because, oh, look, there it is in front of you where you try to escape. It, like, it's it's just... I get that it's a relatable thing, and it's going to make some people go, oh, that's great, but it's a negative relatable thing. And the context in which it's used is to provide a laugh but it's a laugh at the expense of other characters. I think there's a way you could do it, but it would take me hours in a writing room trying to write a negative mother-in-law character that doesn't have a negative impact on the movie whatsoever. Like, that would be difficult. I'm not saying it's an easy thing to write or an easy thing to do, but we don't fucking need it. It's not necessary, and it removed from my enjoyment of the film. That's all I'm saying. It fucking sucks, and we didn't fucking need it. I lost a bunch of time to a note that says the timeline has gotten funky, and the sexist jokes and fat jokes haven't aged well. That's true. And then, I pick up exactly where I know stuff is happening uh, with the aptitude test. So I don't know what happened between the time that we fought with the mother-in-law... To the aptitude test. No idea. It's just gone from my brain. Um, basically, we have the Bam Bam montage. Ah, uh, yes, yeah, so we have to cut his hair and shit. And of it's all like lovely. Barney and Betty caring for Bam Bam. Trying to acclimate him to being like a civilized caveman. Which is difficult. And then. Oh, certainly. We have the announcement of the aptitude test by the. Um, the fucking executive. Yeah, I Vice don't remember President. his name. Cliff. By Cliff. Yep, 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 yep. And, like, what that'll mean. Then we get, like, this scene where Barney and Fred talk about it. And, like, they're having dinner slash beers together while the oh. children play. Yeah, it's because there's the announcement for it. Mm-hmm. And the timeline gets funky because it's seemingly, like, either the same day, maybe the next day. And then Wilma casually says, oh, Fred's been studying for weeks. And I'm like, and nothing else has happened? Nothing else of note or interest has happened for weeks? Crazy. I, I, I don't, the, t- the timeline is just ker- a kerfuffle the whole time. It's like I'm watching The Witcher all over again. So yeah, then, so they're studying, they're talking about the aptitude test, and then it, the aptitude test happens. But yeah, really, your only thing you're missing in there is that montage of raising Bam Bam. Got it, got it. Well, we have an aptitude test to see who's going to be the new vice president of Slate and Company. And uh, Barney is 
like a genius kind of. I think he's just been working there for a really long time, and so he kind of. I mean, it's like that guy that's been working like at any of those low-level jobs for so long that you basically know the ins and outs of like every aspect, even if you're not an executive. Because uh. you've just. I mean, he says he's been working there for 12 years. Yeah. So he's been there for, like, an extended period of time. So I think he just, like, knows everything there is to know about Slate and company. Anyways, Barney's doing great. Barney's having a time. He's just chiseling away on the aptitude test. And Fred's over here fucking sweating. Because what's Fred... What we all know Fred is, he's a dumb motherfucker. He's not smart. He's like the Peter Griffin of the 60s. What's Peter Griffin's job? He worked at a brewery for a little bit, but I think he got fired. I I haven't watched Family Guy with even a little bit of consistency at any point in time. In fact, the most often that I watched Family Guy was when I would come over to hang out with you at your house when we were dating. Fucking years and years ago. Seven. Seven years ago is the last time I watched Family Guy with any consistency. Uh, I don't know what Peter Griffin's job is, but Peter Griffin is a dumbass, and Fred Flintstone is also a dumbass. I think that's, like, the trope that we went through, too, that's not necessarily, like, a positive trope through, like, media of, like, having, like, the dumb working class... Well, yeah, because it was written by fucking Hollywood people. So you have, like, Homer and Peter and Fred Flintstone. Flintstone. Um, And I don't know why it's a trap or a trap, a trope of these, like, quote-unquote fat, bumbling, idiot family men. They're all the the same character. Yeah, I don't know why. Oh. Oh, that blows. Oh, that sucks. Shout out South Park for having the same four third graders the whole time. Fuck, man. So he, pri- uh, back to answering your question about what Peter Griffin does briefly, uh, he primarily worked as an inspector at the Happy-Go-Lucky Toy Factory um, until his boss choked while he was at, while he, they were at dinner with Peter and Lois. Then he became a fisherman on his own boat. Um, but now he what? works uh, in the shipping department of the Pawtucket Patriot Brewery. So, I got his last job. He works at a brewery. <laughs> God, he just does... He He's done everything that I do at my job, except for fishing. I don't do fishing. You don't have your own boat that you uh, randomly became a fisherman on for a brief period of time? No, no, I don't. Um, anyways, Barney's doing great on the aptitude test. He sees that Fred's sweating it. He's having a bad time. They go chisels down. Please place your tests into the numbered envelope. Return them to the desk, please. There's mild chit-chat. People are milling about. Uh, Barney gets a brilliant idea. Here's what he's going to do to pay Fred back for giving him the money to get Bam Bam. Wow, this is a great move. And uh, he offers to take Fred's test up there. And in front of everybody, he oopsie-daisies, drops him on the ground, and... Pulls Fred's test out of the envelope, puts it in the other envelope, puts his test in Fred's envelope, in front of everybody. 
and then walks it up to the front. And nobody saw it. He was in the middle of everyone making a fucking rustle with a big slab. Like, the slab of stone is huge. It's like the size of a normal person's torso. Like, no one noticed. It was crazy. There's a lot I can suspend my disbelief on, but that's outrageous. Surely somebody glanced and was like, Barney, you okay? Like, come on. I didn't, like, I, that was one of the notes I made was I was like, like, Fred was sitting right there. Literally right there. Like, could very easily see. And I know they purposely, like, because he's still in the frame, had, like, John Goodman look, like, away from Barney, who's, like, over here and, like, I don't know what he was looking at, but they purposely made yeah. that a point. Yeah. So that you couldn't just watch that back and be all like, oh, well, Fred's sitting literally right there. Um, but, I mean, Cliff's standing at the front in between the aisles of these desks. It's and like, just, it just, it wouldn't work. What a, what a ridiculous concept that he could pull off this stunt. I mean, I get it. You want to go for it. But the outrage I felt in that moment was intense. And then I don't know what happens, but I wrote in all caps, I forgot Halle Berry was in the movie. Oh, she brings the tests back to Cliff and she's like, you have your winner. It's Fred Flintstone. And he goes, that guy's dumb as fuck. What? Even the bad guys are like, none of this adds up. But I mean, he's perfect for their scheme. And to be honest, they shouldn't have taken... They who have scored taken, the best. Yeah. They should have taken who scored the worst they and have, not told anyone. They should have just lied. And in fact, if they had... Okay, here's how this movie actually plays out, right? Everything could go exactly the same, except... Because Barney switched the tests. No, no, no. Even if Barney switches the tests in an effort to give Fred the highest score, right? Mm-hmm. If the execs use even a little bit of their brains to go, well, clearly we don't want the smartest person from the group to be in here to try and sus to potentially suss out our plans. They would pick the lowest score and just lie and say it was the best. And they would accidentally pick Barney Rubble. And then Barney would have the promotion. But for one modicum of sense, or as it were, ego. Surely we're smarter in the offices than those goons. There's not a ghost, it's just dust. There's dust floating in front of the camera. <laughs> I saw what you saw in the camera, it's fine. We're not haunted, we're not on a burial ground, we're all gravy. Sorry, we're back. Good lord, that was an interlude with the live stream. Uh... Yeah, fuck, man. They promote Fred. He does his hover in the air thing. Yabba yeah, dabba He always does, like, in the TV show where he, like, jumps up and clicks his heels, but... Or even, like, flaps his feet. Yeah, but it, like, doesn't work it do yeah, in it the live action. It doesn't look great. <laughs> it's because he's moving too fast. He's moving like a normal person. I disagree. I think it's moving too... Like, because it looked like he, like, literally, like... Into the air instead of like jumping and clicking his heels. Like it would have been better to see John Goodman like actually jump and do a heel click, but instead they pulled him up by wires and had him go, hey, click, and then like slowly come down. Like it just it felt 
it felt weird. It was. It felt uncomfortable to watch. And it, it the first toe, toe tap thing didn't look bad. But the next time he did it, I was like, eh, it, that's also not great. <laughs> it's just youth. It's, it's just awkward. Anyways, next day. And we know it's the next day because they wake up in bed. That's how you transition. So we, w- we wake up in bed and fucking... Fred's getting ready for the day. Wilma's getting ready for the day. And they had just recently made a comment about how, like, neither one of their families, the Rubbles or the Flintstones, really, like, lived in luxury at all. Which is kind of funny. And then, like, literally the next morning, Wilma walks into her freezer to get stuff. And I was like, a walk-in freezer?! What kind of life of luxury shit are you on about? You could store everything in the walk-in freezer. All the food, all of the... You could could keep meats for so long. Like, that's modern technology in the Caveman Central. Also, it's walk-in. What do you, life of luxury, my ass? You absolutely are in the life of luxury, Wilma. Anyways. Then Fred goes to the office. And we just hit the gas as hard as we can on Halle Berry. When you walk into the scene, I just need for you to just ooze sex out of all your pores, all of them, from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet, which are bare, and just, just ooze it. Was that a shudder of pleasure about Halle Berry's feet? (laughs) That was for the fans. Uh, (laughs) James's only fans about feet, apparently. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck, man. It's just so unnecessary. This movie is TVPG, all right? Now, TVPG means something different now than it did 30 years ago in 1994. 30 years ago? No, it's 28 years ago, you silly goose. Uh, it'd be 30 years ago in two years. Um, Thanks for just using my own birth year as a I didn't say it. You, you said it. You said it out loud. You said the 30 years. I rounded and was doing math, okay? Listen. I know TVPG was something totally different in the 90s. Even more so in like the 80s where you have like the Goonies and we get to look at like a statue with a statue of David with the penis just full on display for like solid like five minutes. But holy fuck. You would get you would get censors today giving your movie back to you going you are lucky you didn't get an R rating for some of your sexual innuendo with Halle Berry that that's a PG-13 movie minimum and it doesn't feel like that's like a super big jump but there's a lot of PG-13 movies now that are just the same as a TVPG movie was in the 90s or a G-rated movie in the 80s like censors are getting serious about sexual shit and I'll tell you what every time Halle Berry's on screen and the saxophones hit and it's that sleazy jazz just grimy sex stuff ugh. I didn't expect it in my caveman movie 
but I got a lot of it in my caveman movie. And I'm not sure I liked it at all. I mean, sidebar about what you can and cannot do. In the TV show Shorzy that I just watched, they had a gag where this this really shredded but kind of dork character, like someone walked into his apartment and he just had his door unlocked or whatever, but he was in briefs and that's it. And at one point during his conversation with this other character, his dick comes out the side of his briefs. And it's not the actor's real genitalia. It's a prop. But, like, you just get to look at it for, like, two cuts of approximately ten seconds total. So, like, two five-second cuts. You see it before the other character goes, your dick is out. And he goes... Oh, and like tucks like that got a TVMA. They also said the word fuck a thousand and two times in the show, but that's TVMA. And I believe that's TVMA. The innuendo and shit that's in this movie. Minimum of PG-13 now. You can't you can't tell me otherwise. And we should probably update the ratings as the movies age. Keeping them the way they are is misleading at best. Anyways, then Cliff spikes the camera and I go, what the fuck? We get to show Fred to his office. And he has a dictabird. Now this is an important piece of information. A dictabird is a talking prehistoric bird. That is sentient. That is extremely sentient and also went to school to become a dictabird and is just there and lives in the office. Is that like criminal use of animals? Well, if you think about it, all the animals are like appliances because you have the mammoth that is a dishwasher And then you have the dino piggy thingy that lives underneath the sink that is their garbage disposal. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know how you get classifications from, like, household appliances to, like, pet status, Uh, like Dino and the saber-toothed cat. Dino's not as smart as the dictabird, though. But, like, I know. I don't know how you differentiate, like, oh, yeah, no, that animal garbage disposal definitely that one's gonna sleep at the foot of our bed and be a pet and that one over there is gonna munch on the rocks for the quarry i don't know what the rules are (laughs) like there's no there's no clear designation to be all like yes you pet you office material you furniture like there's no there's no there's no guide there's no handout guide to help explain this to me i just get lost so to be fair, that's how the show was, though. There was like no there were just animals that did jobs. They were just all over the place doing all over the stuff. Um, I made another note about the saxophones and I was like, this is so fucking annoying. Uh, and and the, I don't remember what happens, but I have two notes in a row that start with Jesus Christ and are about the mother-in-law. Uh, the party at the Rebels. Oh my god, yes. Oh no. Barney throws a congratulations party for Fred at his house. Oh! Uh, 
unaware that Fred was told that he had to fire Barney that day for get scoring the worst on the exam. Uh. Ah, oh, they brought her back. Three times. I had to look at her again. I didn't like it. I didn't like It's negative points, Mr. Spielberg. It's not good what you did there. It's very bad. She's just awful. She changes her tone and she's like, Mmm, my Freddy. Well, he's got money now. <laughs> he's valuable. I hate with every fiber of my being flip-flop characters. And you're supposed to, so I'm, I'm like right on target here. But goddamn, do I just hate them. Uh, do you hate them? With every fiber of my being. And then, just to really grind in the concept that Fred's a dumb motherfucker, he says, in front of everyone, Barney's fired. I mean, he kind of was pushed into it. He was very, like, pol he didn't know there was going to be a party, and he was very politely trying to, like, decline this extravagant gift that was given to him by people he knew were I... not going to have money. Listen, he's got all the right intentions, and he just executes way too early. Here's what you do. Here's what you do. You take the, and this isn't real because it's not real, it's a movie, but you take the briefcase and you say thank you and we have a lovely party. Then you tell Barney after everyone goes home that he should take the briefcase back because I got told today that I have to fire you. And that's what you say. That way, it's not your fucking fault. You say, I was told I have to fire you. You should take this back. And at least try to get some money back, because I know it's got my initials on it. Or let me pay you for or it. Or let me pay you for it. Also, yeah, where's the generosity from Fred now? Um, what, like, what the fuck? Dude, okay. It, that's real-world example here. I get promoted rocketing up in the warehouse. To executive. To some, to some executive level, right? Ground floor to executive. I, uh, yeah, ground floor to executive. And I get told... The next day, I got to fire, like, I don't know, Doug or something, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, to keep my job, I'll do it. But you know what else I'm going to do? I'm going to help Doug pay for his apartment till he finds another job. Or, I don't know, help cover the expenses of my dear friend, who I have known for, well, in my case, not very long, but... In Fred's in case, Fred's 20 case, years. 20 years. Where the fuck is... He had all the generosity in the world when he was just like, eh, fuck it, take my life savings, get yourself a kid. Like, dude is now without income, and you're just gonna fuck it. You have quadrupled your income, and you're not gonna fucking throw your boy a bone here? What the fuck is that about? Who? What? That should be like an instant thing, because he's already shown the character trait of being generous and frivolous with his money. Even when he doesn't have all that much money. It's the, the trait. It's in there. You told me it was in there. You told me it was in his little brain and his little heart. I know he's got it. Why isn't he using it? Because money makes people do bad things. Is the He idea. barely even had the money yet. Is the idea of money and power. 
corrupts absolutely is the oh. uh, theme of the movie. Movie characters don't behave like people, and I hate it. I think there are lots of ways that Fred could have handled that situation 100% better. <laughs> yeah. But... I don't know. I don't know where that thought train was going. I had one when we were talking about the party, but now I don't quite remember what it is, so carry on. What's next? Uh, I don't know. I wrote the timeline got fucky again. Okay. Oh, probably because they skipped approximately, like, two months' time without a word. Because now Fred's been signing these documents. And they say, he says, I've been signing this stuff for a while. What are they? And they go, oh, it's requisition forms for stuff. And he goes, oh, okay. Just don't know where the fuck we are in the story anymore. What did Barney do for two months? Oh, I know what he, he did. A, he burned through his savings. He was also like a crash test dummy. Yeah, but that happens after. Oh, it does? Okay. Yeah. Oh. It, dude, it's wild. Also, I, I wrote, look, I know this is TVPG, but the fucking horny is outrageous. There's too much fucking horny and I'm suffering. Is that when she's rolling around on the desk? That is exactly like, when she's rolling around on the desk. Should I be reading these? And she's like, don't worry about reading. That's my she job. Just, it's just Halle Berry's tits all over the place. Like, and just long, graceful limbs doing exactly what they hired her to do. Just all over and just... I just, I didn't know it was going to happen. You know, sometimes when something happens and you're not prepared for it, you, like, don't know how to handle it. But it's not, like, an uncommon thing. And so if you know it's coming, it's, like, not going to bother you at all. Mm -hmm. That's what was happening for me in this movie. Because we've seen, like, fuck, man, in all the Hangover movies, you see boobs. There's, like, gratuitous sexual content in all three of those movies. Didn't bother me. I was aware of what I was getting into. This is a fucking PG movie from the 90s about a cartoon. You know what I didn't expect? Sex icon Halle Berry to be just throwing herself at John Goodman. That came out of fucking left field for me. I couldn't fucking process it for the whole time. Yes, how can I help you? How'd you feel about the Scooby-Doo movie then? Well, I haven't watched that to do the podcast. Oh, I think I've watched it. Which one are you talking about? The live-action Scooby-Doo movie. I thought there were two. There is two. Haven't we watched both of them together? I don't know. Probably. Also, I feel like I would have made you watch it. Uh, but I also haven't seen it in forever, so I don't know. God, I don't remember the actress's name. Sarah Michelle Gellar? Velma? No, I don't know her name. I just know Sarah Michelle Gellar is Daphne. Yeah, but Daphne's not hot. <gasps> you take that back about Sarah Michelle Gellar right now. What if I don't, though? Oh, what if I, don't? I love her. No, I'm not saying Sarah Michelle Gellar's not hot. Daphne's not hot. Isn't Daphne, like, the hot character? Daphne's the sex symbol. But you know who is hot in those movies? Velma. In her turtleneck? They make it a point that for... Almost all of the second movie, she is either in bikini or in a form-fitting leather suit. 
because those movies are also just gratuitous sexual content throughout. I feel like people will, that made these live action movies of these old school cartoons were like, we've just got pent up horny and we like these characters, so we just gotta unleash the pent up horny. We're like, we see that we all had these same feelings about these cartoon characters that we shouldn't have about these cartoon characters, so what if we didn't make them cartoon characters anymore? See, this was before. <laughs> this was. This was before people started drawing, like, cartoon pornography. And you could just, like, get your jollies there. So we had to put it in the movies. God damn. Oh, my God. We've talked about, like, four other things besides the Flintstones movie in this episode alone. I think I it's just... fair, though, because in the Flintstones movie, there's a lot of references to... And there is a lot of references Other things. I mean, there is Tar Wars coming out... Yeah, Tar Wars in by, the by George Lucas. God, fuck the puns, man. I'm fucking done. Cut it. We'll do the next episode in a minute. I'm just, I need a minute. I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you who the fuck played Velma. Don't cut it yet. We gotta figure this out. We gotta figure out a fucking mystery here. Cut it, he says. Don't cut it, he Don't says. Cut this it. is important. Scooby Finding out who Velma is Doom. is so important that we're gonna drag the podcast on for another two minutes. Dude, did you know Freddie Prince Jr. was in those Yes, movies? he plays... Freddie! Linda Cardellini! 